morning like this, what, what a great day. Does that enhance your praise any? A little bit? Uh, I, I know a few little kids that would have rather stayed out in the parking lot and enjoy it than come in. But anyway, man, it, praise is good. And I appreciate to, to hearing you, you sing this morning and lift your voices before God. Church in progress. Church in Progress. Last week I said that we're going to start a new series. Didn't have the title, but now we're calling it Church in Progress. I want to point out, Eric created this. I appreciate Eric and his, his abilities, the things he's able to do for us. Uh, the thought behind Church in Progress is the church has a long way to go. We, we, we've got some growing to do. And, and if we felt like there were a church that's at some kind of pinnacle, you're at the wrong place. I don't know where that is. But, but somewhere there might be a church, well, no, no, there's not. There's, there's some work to do. Matter of fact, uh, some are saying that maybe Eric's graph is a little optimistic. You know what I'm saying? A little optimistic. Wow, it looks like, what, about 75, 80%? We only got, what, what 15, you know, maybe 25% yet to grow? Woohoo! I think Matthew is the one who says, man, that ought to be way down. So he's, he's a pessimist. Eric, obviously, is an optimist, which surprises a lot of people. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so when we think about this letter to the Corinthians, I'm excited about this. And, and thank you to the group who really helped. We had a, a group gathering, and, and this is one of the ideas or directions for us to take was this letter to the Corinthians. It is an amazing letter from Paul. It is a necessary letter from Paul. Uh, if you want to read up a little bit of concerning uh, the Corinthian church, how it, and it had its beginnings, Acts chapter 18. The beginning part of that, uh, we know that Paul spent a year and a half there developing this church, starting this church, and it's growing, and it, uh, there's some significant things that Paul says about it. Uh, it all, all throughout this, this letter to the Corinthians, Paul is going to address problems, and then he's also going to address some questions that the church had for Paul. So all through there, I, we, we would say this church in Corinth is much like us, needing to grow, needing to continue in maturity. And, and so I think it's a great letter for us to walk through as well, to listen what the Spirit is speaking through Paul and instruction for the church and for us to be attentive to that for this reason, that we are going to be stretched because, hey, these things ought to be happening. Encouragement, right? Man, I'm so encouraged as you folks come walking in and, and we have conversations and, and things like that. Encouragement and strengthening through teaching and even rebuke, <coughs> some rebuking and, and things like that. But anyway, you know, even we'll say it. Let's just say it. Some difficult things that we need to face. It's through that that we have that opportunity through Christ, through his word, through his spirit to grow. Amen? Okay, I don't know whether we're ready for Corinthians. <laughs> Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, let me tell you just a little bit about Corinth, the city of Corinth. Now, it, it's located close to Athens, and on the, the south part of that is the city of Sparta. Sparta you, if you see, watch movies, you might know, this is Sparta. Well, anyway, Sparta is down there. Athens is there. Corinth is over somewhere in between. It is a port city. 
And, and it's an important, it's actually a very large city, uh, and, and it's made up of Greeks. At one time, it was predominantly a Greek city that was destroyed even before the time of Christ. It was rebuilt by the Romans, still occupied by Greeks. Now the Romans are moving in. And amongst the Romans, there are soldiers. It, being a port city, commerce and, and military, two of, the, two of the, the common things you're going to find at Corinth. But also, there, there's a lower class of people that's living in Corinth that's moved out of the, the great populace of like Rome. Uh, and, and they're flocking to Corinth where there's commerce and it's, it's kind of a boom town. And so there are freed slaves that are living in Corinth. There are also uh, veterans, uh, retired military that's living. Is that junk? No, I know anyway. Uh, uh, that, that's living in this city of Corinth. And also, it's very obvious, Acts 18, that there's a, a group of, of Jews, a community of, of Jews living uh, within this community. Uh, just keep that in mind. We'll talk more about Corinth as we get into more details as we go, go along. Here's one of the things that was written in, in one of my resources. It said it is a pluralistic melting pot of cultures, philosophies, lifestyles, and religions. And, and uh, uh, so that gives us an idea of what it's like. Matter of fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, verses, uh, uh, let me see. I thought I had it written down here. Anyway, he, yeah, verse 13, he, he, he said this is the body. This is the makeup of the body. We're one body, and it's built out of Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, and Romans, slave and free. This is, this is the makeup of the body of Christ in Corinth. And this is who the letter is be, being sent to uh, there in Corinth. Uh, it begins with an encouraging message. A lot of Paul's letters begin with an encouraging message. Uh, one, of the, one of the items says it's identifying who it's writing to. It says, it is to those who are sanctified in Jesus. Which is, wow, what a benefit, right? Here's the Corinthian church. This is also the church here in Junction City. We are sanctified in Jesus, right? It, it, that's how we identify. Sanctified in Jesus Later on, he says, they don't lack any spiritual gift, and they are kept firm to the end. These people are being kept firm to the end. Then in verse 10, it takes a turn. There's a problem. You know, one, of the, one of the issues that he first addressed is the issue of division. The issue of division is happening within the Corinthian church. What's interesting, in verse 11, it says it's coming from the household of Chloe. Which reminds me, and I just want to throw this in there, that when we think of church, we're thinking church. Here it is, the building, and everybody gathers under one roof, right? But in Corinth, you're ta we're talking, I don't know how, numerous congregations within Corinth. And we're talking house churches. I think Chloe's household identifies one of those house churches. And, and, and through Chloe's household, he finds out that, hey, there's divisions. Here's what's being said amongst all these churches. Again, this one letter is sent to the church, and it all is being identified by all these house churches. And, and when, when he sends this, he said, well, here's, here's the evidence of the division. Here's what's being said. What's being said is that some of them are saying, hey, I'm of Paul. And then there's a dividing line, and I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of 
of, of Christ. Or there are those who say, I'm of Christ. And so imagine this, all these churches, and they are drawing lines as to who they're following. Who, who's our significant person that we're following after? Paul, Apollos, uh, Cephas, and, and Christ. All of them believers, all of them speaking uh, a message, and yet they are divided, and Paul says it shouldn't be. Matter of fact, it's very important that as we get into this letter, in this first chapter, I wanna, Paul, I believe, addresses this problem. Matter of fact, in, in some ways, Reading through it, you never hear him say, so don't forget where you came from. But I believe in a way Paul is saying, don't forget where you came from. Or don't forget the source. Don't forget the source of what you have. That one identifying factor that all of you are in agreement with. Don't forget this. And as a matter of fact, I believe it's found in verse 18. Before, before 18, in verse 17, he says, man, he, he shows his disappointment. I, I, I'm glad I didn't baptize a lot of you. Matter of fact, I, I didn't come to baptize. I came to declare that gospel message. And guess what's central? Guess what's primary? Guess what the source is? It's that message of Jesus. Are you with me? Isn't that the message we have? It's that message of Jesus. Primary. That's our source. That's where we come from. Paul says, and it's very important in verse Verse 18, he says, for the message of the cross, that cross we, we embrace, that we make our connection, that cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who reject it, that it is foolishness to, to those who are perishing, but to us, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's where we are. That's where we are. We're there. We're focused upon the strength, the power of God through the cross of Jesus. Now, I'm going to read verses 20 through 25 because I, that's, that's where I'd like to focus. I, in, in, in here, Paul talks a lot about wisdom. In chapter 1, chapter 2, even in chapter 3, he talks a, a lot about God's wisdom and even the wisdom of the world. And in this... Uh, especially in the verses we're about to read, he's, he's showing a difference between God's wisdom and the wisdom of the world. Believe it or not, it's different. There, there's a great difference between the two. Let's, let's read, beginning verse 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, as we come together today, I mean, our worship's been directed towards God. Our focus is upon what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And I believe within these walls, the truth is seen as wisdom. The wisdom of God really makes this world look foolish. The wisdom of, of this world, I mean, the wisdom of God makes this world look foolish. I want to talk about this wisdom uh, with you this morning. 
And, and to begin here, when it comes to the world's wisdom, God cannot exist. Or when it comes to the world's wisdom, God doesn't exist. He's been rejected. In verse 21, again, here, here's what he says. That, that the world, the world through its wisdom, uh, the, for the world through, oh, I'm on the wrong verse, sorry. Uh, through its wisdom did not know him. Matter of fact, I, I caught my attention this morning that I was skipping the beginning part where it says, For since in the, within the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Which reminded me of Romans chapter 1. It, it says the, that, that in God's wisdom, the world in its wisdom rejected him. And, and in Romans chapter 1, 20 through 23, if you remember that part, um, it, it said that, that humanity has basically rejected God. And, and his, the evidence of God was all around. His power is evident to everyone. Uh, matter of fact, his eternal power and his divine nature, every morning you wake up, you have an opportunity to see it. What are we talking about? Man, creation alone. A beautiful day, Right? And you walk outside and you see the sun. You know what the rain has done. And, and, and that in itself is a blessing. And, 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 and the world is created so beautiful. And then it has order. It has order where, where you know, we have days and seasons. And all this speaks of there has to be what, what wisdom in creating all that we've seen. And within all this wisdom, the world in its wisdom has rejected God as its creator. It's turned its back upon God. Matter of fact, uh, it, it even turned to humanity's foolishness. Going back to Romans 1, instead what they've done is, is what we, we, we've created things to worship. Right? In Romans it talks about way we created images of animals, of birds, and reptiles. I, I believe we still create things to worship. You know, we're, we're finding more and more things to worship as we continue to ignore God. I want to get back to Corinth. Think about this, uh, that the Corinthians were searching. They were looking, as, as, as we all do. I mean, the world is hungry to know, okay, what is true? Where did we come from? What's our purpose? What's going to be fulfilling in life? And that, I believe that's what the Corinthians were pursuing. They were searching for things of wisdom. And in Corinth, there were some real rock stars there. There were some real rock stars, some, some people who were, go back to verse 20, some people who were seen as wise people, some people who were teachers of the law, that was from, from those of, of Judaism, and, and then there were the philosophers of the age. And in Corinth, you would go to places where they would actually have a stage and, and a, an arena for them to listen to them speak about their truth. They would speak about how they believe you know, existence came about. And, and they would speak about morality. And, and within it, they were good at what they did. I, it would be great to go in. And they were even entertained by these great speeches. They, they had great oratory. They were eloquent in their speeches. They would use experiences and tell stories. And, and even stir up emotions. They would manipulate their audience. Trying to, to promote their philosophy or their religion, the Jews, or, or even uh, you know, their wisdom. And, and guess what Corinth would do? Boy, they would choose the direction. They would choose, boy, this is the message 
that, that I believe in. This is what, how I'm going to live my life. And they would choose who to follow. Well, I'm going to follow this philosopher or this philosopher. I'm going to follow this Judaism. I'm going to follow. So, so they were already doing that. So what is happening in the church? It's kind of what they were used to living in Corinth. It's kind of what they were used to. Hey, well, I like how Paul has presented and, and began you know, the church. I'm going to hold on to Paul or I'm going to Apollos. Or, you see, how, how is it that, 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 you know, I think we do, though. I think a lot of times, even coming into the church, we reflect our, you know, what we're used to on the outside, our society. And it just becomes normal. But Paul is frustrated because, you know, what does he say? He said, well, is, is, is Christ divided? Was I the one who died upon the cross? He began to ask the obvious questions. You see, the church had, had lost maybe or needed to remember what the source is and where, where the truth came from. How is it you are aligning yourselves and creating divisions? Because in the message you first received, there should be no divisions. Wow, that's a hard phrase, isn't it? Uh, what he's dealing with, phrases, we, we might not, I mean, you, you might have an individual you love to listen to. You know, I follow, I follow uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias, or I follow, oh man, name them, and, and I bet we could come up with lots of names of guys who, who are great preachers, great preachers. This is, these are the people I follow. Or even when it comes to division, I think about, you know, I'm the Christian church, or I'm the Baptist church, or I'm the Nazarene church. I, honestly, there's a little frustration in me as I go through this and think, what have we done with the church when there is still amongst us a one singular message that we're to hold and embrace? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Paul, I, I love to hear what Paul had to say in verse 17. He comes along and says, man, I, I, first of all, he said, I'm glad I didn't baptize a lot of you because I was sent for this purpose. I was sent to make very clear this one message, and that message is the message of Jesus, that gospel message, that good news of Christ. Understand, here is the source. It is about Jesus. It is about broken world and sinful world that deserves God's uh, punishment, and God in his great love has sent Jesus into this world for its salvation. That's the message that Paul came. He said, I didn't come for with wisdom. Paul isn't saying I take the stage with all these other guys and debate them and other things like that. I, I take the stage with one message, and it's about Jesus. A one message, and it's about Jesus. It's not with wisdom. It's not with eloquence, he says, like all these other guys. He's not aligning them with... He's telling one message, and that message is from God. That he was given this message, he is delivering it, and so is Apollos, so is Cephas, and definitely it's coming from Christ, right? Who is known to us as the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Now, I don't want to skip over verse 22 and 23. Here's something else that we glean from it. I do believe the world around us is still looking. Uh, God is being sought out in all the wrong places, or even wisdom is being looked out in all the wrong places. In 22 and 23, let me read 22 again just to remind you. It says, Jews demand a sign. Jews demand signs. And Greek look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. To the Jews, show us a sign. Show us a sign. 
uh, or actually their message to Jesus when he was here was prove it. When, he, when they said, show us a sign. Twice, I think it's chapter 12 and chapter 18 in Matthew, where, where the, the religious leaders came to Jesus and said, okay, show us a sign. And, and each time Jesus said, only a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. Only a, and, and matter of fact, there's no other sign going to be given to you except for the sign of Jonah. You know, just as Jonah was in the belly of the, the great fish for three days, three nights, so the Son of Man is going to be in the heart of the earth for three days, three nights. That's one to look forward to. But, but let's face it, Jesus came with all kinds of credentials, all kinds of proof as to who he was, right? He came with power and authority, healing. He, he walked upon the water. He calmed the storm. He raised the dead. And then the religious leaders, because, and I believe it's because, Jesus told them to repent for one thing, you need, to, you need to change. You need to repent of your sinfulness. Also, they had difficulty accepting that this is the Messiah you sent us. We've been looking forward to seeing him. They couldn't receive his message. Therefore, they had to come to him again and again and just say, show us a sign. He's already given enough of a sign. So they ultimately, what Jesus became was actually a stumbling block to the Jews. Now listen, there are the Greeks, and their, their world was wrapped around this wisdom. Philosophers and, and those who, who were uh, making sense with their speeches and drawing and attracting people. And, and uh, matter of fact, when it came down to it, Jesus isn't, they couldn't accept the fact that Jesus is their salvation, but they wanted knowledge. They wanted knowledge. And in and, and knowledge, they would find salvation. They would find out, well, how to live lives, the mor morals and, and, and other details like that, they would pursue. And yet, Paul, all he had to offer them was this one message. It's about your sinfulness. That the fact that you are condemned because of your sinfulness, you're separated from the God who created all things, and that he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. In some of their minds, how, how is that possible that such a great and mighty God would come and pay our debts, our sinfulness? It, it, it did not function in their own minds. You know, this world continues to seek out truth. It continues, everybody around, they're looking for truth. They're looking for wisdom. And they have a blind eye as soon as they close the door on Jesus. There's a, there's a blind eye when they cannot accept the gospel message that Paul proclaimed that you and I have the opportunity to share with neighbors and people around us. And as long as they continue to close their eyes on Jesus, as, as long as they continue to, to reject the idea that they're sinful and they need a Savior as well, they're going to continue to miss out on what God has for them. The wisdom of God, which is seen to them as foolish. Just absolutely foolish. Finally, I think this is important. God is not made in the world's image. God is not made in the world's image. God is not created by humanity's thinking. Well, it sure seems like the world's trying to, doesn't it? Trying to form God, trying to figure out how everything came into being. You know, we're, we're going to explain this nature around us, the order of things, by saying, you know, it, boom, it happened and, and everything came into being and, and, and we just, there's just existence. That's all there is. There's just existence. There is no great God. And that's, you know, I mean, that's taught in our schools, but it's not taught in God's Word. 
It's not taught in our word that, that God is the source of everything. God's the one who spoke the word and things came into existence. We have created God in our own thinking. Makes, makes no sense. About as much sense as I take some clay and form some kind of idol and say, there's my God. Woohoo! I praise you, O idol that I've created with my hands. See, the world, I, again, the world, I think, is creating idols for us to follow all the time. It could be money. It could be uh, so many different things. It could be, be you know, a personality. It could be whatever it is. Whatever we're falling down to worship, wherever we're putting our focus upon, that's our idol. That's our idol. The world cannot see God beyond its own strength and wisdom. But God is sovereign. Listen to verse 25. For the foolishness of God, <laughs> the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It goes well beyond anything we can imagine. Our God. Again, let's go back to the beginning where in Scripture it says God spoke the words and things came into existence. That goes beyond anything we can imagine, right? And, and the wisdom to see the world as it turns and, and day after day and, and even hearing that, man, if, if one thing came out of kilter, you know, gravity would be gone and we would just absolutely be destroyed. It just blows our minds to think that there is some God with great wisdom that set all this into order. But that's what we believe. And, and we don't believe it because someone created it. He has given us his word and has shared with us his story. Well, let me ask you, are you loving his story? I'll ask you again. Okay, we we got to start in a different place, don't we, Mark? Are you loving, and maybe it's this, are you loving his story? Are you loving his story? Man, I want you to love his word. And oh man, there's places in there that feels like you've got to have a shovel and, and, and dig through it. Especially like what, what our guys group is going through right now is these kings. So defiant, so, so rebellious against God. And, and God, you know, man, letting them live and... And, and dealing with them, and then the good kings, and oh man, but, but to wade through it, and to watch, and then always, to, in my mind, I'm thinking, how did God do it? <laughs> how, is, how is God so merciful? How is it so merciful that, you know, at one time, he did the right thing, he just destroyed the world, I'm done with this. These people are so rebellious, and they don't appreciate the fact that who I am, and what I've done, they've, they're ignoring me. And he, he, he wiped it out at one time. And instead, it was not his plan. You see, I, I believe wholeheartedly God loves his creation. He, he still says what he created is good. And we're part of that. And he loved it so much that he sent to redeem it through his son's blood. Are you with me? And we understand that. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we love him. Because he loves us. He's loved us so well. The world continues in, in a godless direction. I, I don't think I need to ask this. You notice that? The world continues in a godless direction. I mean, just, just to bring up a couple of things. The thing of abortion. That, that comes out of man's own thinking. 
That comes out of our own creativity. That has not come from the wisdom of God or anything. Because from God, what do we see? The sanctity, the, the, the absolute sanctity of life, of all life, even the unborn. Uh, the, the, this thing of LGBTQ community looking for uh, equality in a place where they ought to be embraced and, and, and loved. And, and, and absolutely, we're going to say, man, these are people who need to be loved. But they also need to be told about Jesus. Because absolutely, what, what they're promoting and what they're, they're, they're wanting to, to see happen is an abomination before God and his creation. It, it, it's ugliness. The, the, the ugliness and hurt of this world is not going to cease. It's not going to cease only for those who, who begin to understand and receive the wisdom of God. That is Jesus Christ. One thing, I, you know, as they started talking, I'll, I'll end in this way. I'll, I'll move towards this. But the problem was, hey, they needed to be on the same page. These Corinthians needed to be on the same page. Well, what page was that? Well, not divided amongst the teachers, not divided amongst Paul and Apollos and, and Cephas and, and Christ. That's just weird. The, the, the reason it's weird is because they had one message. And there's no reason for it to be divided. Matter of fact, towards the end of Corinthians, I think his suggestion is very clear. In verse 13 it says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God. Jesus is the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. It's all in Jesus. It's what he's given to us. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Does that not bring us all together in our thinking? So what is there for us to declare? What is there for us to be thrilled about and, 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 and just boasting about? Well... I heard, you know, a, a preacher earlier this week, wow, he was dynamic. I heard this new idea, the way the scripture was laid out, wow, was that dynamic. No. Our, our boasting, it is in what God has given us in Jesus Christ. You with me? That's where our boast, that's where Paul is saying, listen, you're, you're still kind of thinking like the world. Do you not understand what you have? In Jesus, that one singular message. Come on, all of you need to be on the same page, not divided. Listen, in this passage and, and as we move forward, let, let, me, let me move through here. It's, you know, God's wisdom, world wisdom, which is really foolishness. God doesn't exist in a, in a world around us. He doesn't exist in the, in the wisdom. What his wisdom looks foolish there, there is true wisdom in being sought out uh, in, in all the wrong places around us. There are people who are looking for this wisdom. And we have that message, that message of Jesus. And God is not made in the world's image. It's not made out of humanity's thinking. It's created through, uh, through the truth, through the existence of God. And I praise God so much for the word he's given us so we could read, know, and understand God. Our message, our foundation is the cross of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through believing in him, trusting in him, and embracing him. Amen? We ought to pray after that.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you for the wisdom that's evident in our every day as we look around this world and the beauty of it. How, how Lord, each season comes and goes. Each day comes and goes. And, and life continues to, to grow. The, the healing that comes through our bodies when sickness and, and the, the battle our bodies have. Lord, it's all designed and, and put together by you. And we give you so much praise this morning and thanks for that. Your divine power and, and your uh, great mercy is seen. And Father, we pray that you will be our strength. And may that strength be that message of Jesus. We know our beginnings. We know how we've come to this place to be united. It has been through Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, as we continue to go through this, uh, this letter, that, Father, you will challenge us. Help us, Lord, in this foundation to grow, to stretch, and become more and more uh, the people of God. To, to become more and more mature in Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, that very foundation which has been established for us is that salvation is ours through Christ. And so what a great beginning we already have. But now, Lord, to be able to grow, so we ask, Lord, to strengthen us through your word, through your spirit, through your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.